You're listening to Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. This is season eight, a brand new season of Grit and Glitter. Off to a bit of a rocky start, my laptop is in the shop thanks to a reckless cat knocking a flower pot off the top of my desk directly onto the laptop, glitching the screen, denting my main source of power. It is currently in the shop. I'm operating on backup power, a very old laptop, which means I have no Segway music. It's tough. It's rough. We're going to get through this. We're going to power through. This week, Emily Fear went to Envy Young's Backyard Barbecue. And me, I chatted with Alyssa Marino, commentator, backstage interviewer. She's done a lot of stuff. She likes cereal. I like cereal. We talk about that. We talk about a lot of things. This is season eight. It's going to be a good one, folks. Bear with us. on YouTube. She's a commentator for promotions like Women's Wrestling Army, NCFU, and CCW, among others. And once upon a time, she was even known as Kat Marino and Kathy Campanelli. But today, and going forward, she is Alyssa Marino. Thank you so, so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be able to chat with you tonight. Yes, and I'm glad that I researched for this interview because I didn't know you were Kathy Campanelli. <laughs> Yeah, that's bizarre. That was me. It's so I, I'm like I know that name. I was a faithful ROH viewer from 2018 to 2019. Like we did a podcast, myself and Emily, for a year and a half there covering ROH. So we definitely covered it at the time that you made appearances for them. Oh heck yes, yeah. That was like a super random but like amazing stars aligning kind of moment to be able to uh, to get to do that. So that was really cool to be able to hop on. For, uh, I believe it was Death Before Dishonor. So that was really, really awesome. Yeah, and also I was like a faithful NXT devotee from 2012 to last year. Same thing. Did not realize that was you. Although, to be fair, that was me. <laughs> to be fair, Pat Marino had some bangs that. Like, yes. <laughs> as, the, as the Zoe de Chanel memes will attest, that totally changes who you are. It's no, it's true. It it did feel like a different person. Um, the the maintenance was iffy, but I did get to a point where I had them exactly where I wanted them. Um, and then you know, the world went crazy, and I was like, hey, you know what? We're growing the bangs out now. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. So, you started as Kathy from HR in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, right? So I started as Kathy from HR, actually around kind of like the independent scene in SoCal. Um, when I went to Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, I did take on more of like a backstage correspondent role. And I, that was really where I was Kathy Campanelli instead. So Kathy from HR was clearly like a character. Oh, yes. Is there a difference between Alyssa Marino and Kat Marino or Kathy Campanelli? Is that just a name? It's really just a name. It's I, I'm still kind of the same person. I do the same things. Yeah, I think it's really just the the name change. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, bangs or personality or something that goes with it. But yeah, for the most part, it's uh, it's just me. You don't put on or you didn't put on like a different mindset going into things. You didn't think like, OK, well, Kat really eats oatmeal more than cereal. She's a different person than I am. OK, yeah. OK, that's a very good point. So I guess when... When I was cat, I want to say that I was a little more, maybe more, more poised, if that's if that's the thing. I think as uh, as Kathy Campanelli, and then now as Alyssa, I think I allow myself to be a little a little sillier sometimes, a little goofier. Um, still professional, but I don't. I think I allow myself to like enjoy and and kind of relax a little a little bit more. But yeah, cat cat was definitely very very composed, very very professional a little more walking on eggshells 
Slightly, slightly. Yeah, I think uh, Cat would definitely be uh, an oatmeal eater. Maybe cereal on rare occasions. <laughs> Which is fair, considering you, you, what, packed up your whole life, moved to Florida, and then three months later... <laughs> thanks for coming yeah yeah it was it was it was crazy yeah so I, I ended up moving the first week of January 2020 and of course you know the world <laughs> you know did what the world did and um and yeah I think by officially by May I was done but I wasn't you know reporting to the PC we weren't doing live events um as early as March so yeah that was it was honestly it was cool that I got to learn and experience and do as much as I as I did I was you know still very grateful for having had the experience but it is definitely one of those things where oh and now I'm in Florida help what do I do <laughs> yeah and obviously you're not alone in that Alison Danger has been talking about that a lot yeah uh, recently on her podcasts when and her situation different than yours because you were you, I assume you didn't have uh, the family and things like that to worry about as well no just just me so yeah that, that's yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah, that's crazy weird guess, it was a weird time <laughs> yeah and in in not not just like in a pandemic but like in the first three months of the pandemic February up here in Canada is when things really things started closing, libraries, malls, everything started shutting down. It started to feel real. At the time, we're thinking, ah, oh, whatever, this will be over by August, right? What is this? This is nothing. We don't know yeah. what we're in for the long haul. So how do you recover from that coming out of that? Because independent wrestling was largely shut down too. There were things here and there, but not consistent. Yeah, that was a, it was definitely an, a weird thing to adjust to. It was it was one of those things where once May kind of came around and I knew that I had, you know, I was no longer under any kind of contract. And I, I think I really used that as an opportunity to kind of dive into doing more of more of Let's Get Serial. And that's really where that kind of revival, I guess, came about was that I was I mean, at that time, it, it was it was just me in, you know, my apartment in Florida and, you know, trying to go out on, you know, three hour long walks around my parking lot of my apartment complex and studying three different languages at the same time because I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. So I'm like, well, let me at least try and do something productive. So bringing back Let's Get Serial and connecting with, you know, friends from from throughout wrestling um, for the first couple episodes, especially over over Zoom and being able to to do that was honestly such a, a relief because it gave me some sense of of normalcy it gave me something to hold myself accountable to like hey you gotta come up with an episode this week what's gonna be what are you gonna do so i think that helped me kind of stay focused and then at that time i did i took a visit back out to southern california and i was able to do stuff with championship wrestling and uh you know the the closed studio tapings and having to be super duper you know abundantly careful and doing all the testing and all the right timing to make sure everything was safe and, and secure and, and just kind of doing things to the best of our ability. But yeah, that was definitely weird because there were no like live shows really. It was, it was these, you know, closed studio tapings, but I was very grateful to at least still be you know, making some wrestling happen. I know you were first exposed to wrestling when you were really young by your grandfather. You said you sort of came back in 2016. What brought you back? Did you just stumble across it on TV? Did you have friends who were into it? Yeah, so when I was uh when I was in California, my my roommate was actually really into it. And I remember he was he was like watching it on TV and I kind of like glanced at it. And the funniest thing was is that I hear this music. And I was like, "Wait a second. I was like, I feel like I, I was like I feel like I know this song." I was like, "My my roommate in college was really into ska. This is like a this is a this is a song I know, right?" And it was Sammy Zayn's entrance music. And um and I It's I, always I, Sammy okay. Zayn. It's always right so, for everybody. Uh, yeah, because it's such like it's like the gateway, you know. <laughs> but I felt like a sense of uh, a familiarity there, and and you know this fun loving kind of good feeling, and and I sat down and I actually watched that match, and I feel like from there I was like, well, now I need more, obviously. And at that time, um, I think Lucha Underground was really big, and I got really into like you know the more cinematic elements of that. And then started realizing, oh, hang on, I can go see this like live. I can go to these, you know, promotions around me and, and I can I can go see it. This is amazing. And then finding out I can go and train, too. I can I can get more involved. You know, I, I really did just kind of like dive headfirst into it. <laughs> 
every person I talk to, whether they're a wrestler or a manager or a commentator, it's that leap which I can never wrap my head around. Maybe it's because I I was exposed to wrestling when I was a kid and I stayed a wrestling fan my entire life through my dad. So I guess maybe it's different when you're six, you're not thinking about like, I should go to wrestling school or anything like that. And this is pre-internet. But it never once in my entire life did it cross my mind that, hey, what if I train to be a wrestler? What if I go to wrestling school to try to become a manager? That just never seemed accessible. So like, like, had you taken drama classes in school? Were you that kind of, were you always a performer at heart? I really, really was. I was doing musical theater since I was nine and, you know, did plays all while I was growing up. Even when I was, I went to college as a vocal performance major to, you know, do operas. So there was always an element of doing a performance. There was always an element of being in front of people and, you know, whatever pressure or positive you know, feedback that goes along with that, you know, you take the good and the bad, but I was always kind of gearing toward the idea of being involved in some way in, in entertainment. And then, you know, kind of put things on the, on the back burner after college, I had gone through, you know, not so favorable auditions and, you know, got kind of a little tired of trying so hard to, you know, give my all and, and keep hearing, you know, the nose and stuff like that. And, and I, I got a normal job and kind of settled down with that. And then it was something about the idea of, hey, I mean, maybe this will just be something cool to do. I don't think I put the the pressure on it. And I never really saw that it would turn into anything, you know, crazy. But kind of just having this idea of, well, I, what's the worst that can happen? I just want to check it out. And that honestly, that was how Santino Brothers got me is because they did a one day tryout. So having this idea of like, hey, it's just it's just one day. Like, I'm not signing up for the whole thing. It's just one day. And that's how they got me. Because as soon as I did the one day, I knew I needed more. Kind of the idea of just watching one match. And I knew I needed more. So, but yeah, I feel like the, the performance element and the entertainment element was something I actually felt comfortable with. And I think that's why I didn't end up going into the super physical, you know, wrestling, wrestling side of it. And I did want to do more of, hey, like, I have this, I have my voice is what I do. So let me lend my voice to this or, you know, let me be a, a manager character or a GM or something like that where I can, I can use my voice and I can either be an authority figure or deliver a promo or even as a backstage correspondent, you know, to be able to like, let me facilitate this story by, you know, setting up these interview questions and stuff like that. So I, it was a, it was a way for me to be involved and still feel part of it, even though I didn't have to, you know, get super duper physical into anything. So is managing something that you st- you're still interested in to a degree or is commentary the true love now? Honestly, I feel like commentary and, you know, the the backstage correspondent positions are more so what I what I love to do. I think managing is always like an idea on the back burner, like it, it would be really cool to do. But I think that like what I really enjoy doing and where I feel like my strengths lie are more in kind of, you know, not, not necessarily like the super serious, but, you know, not having a, a character. And, and honestly, at this point, it's like, I feel like I've been so many different names. I wouldn't want to change, <laughs> change that up. Uh, so yeah, just being able to be myself and help tell different stories is really, I think where, where my passion is. Have you ever taken any bumps? I I have. <laughs> they're, oh, they're not. They were not good. They were actually they were terrible. But I did at two different Santino Brothers shows. One I got you know pie faced and you know fell down on the apron. I don't even want to say I bumped on the. No, I fell down onto the apron. And then uh, another one I got clotheslined when I got quote unquote fired from Santino Brothers. And it was you know like I said they were awful they were awful uh but but they happened and it's so funny to me because every wrestler i talk to whenever they have to do a promo like oh my god i'm just i'm just so nervous about this promo i'm so nervous about this promo meanwhile i was really like i have to i have to like bump i don't i'm so scared i'm gonna mess it up i'm so scared so it's just funny what what people worry about you know it's just where your comfort zone lies i was like no i'm used to talking the talking part is fine it's the it's the bumping part that that made me a little nervous but we always figure it out do you study other commentators either current or like in the past if you go back and watch old wrestling 
do you really find yourself fixating on the commentary more than you did pre-Santino uh, Brothers? Commentary, I think, was always something that stuck out to me because I always wanted, you know, as, I mean, especially when I first was getting back into it, there were so many things I didn't know. So if I if I had a, you know, a commentator that was on the call telling me, why are these people, you know, at odds with one another or what happened between them or what was this big, you know, falling out? That's kind of where I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like I was eating that up. But yes, I do feel like having more of an appreciation now makes me really kind of treasure and, and dig in and and study a little a little bit harder because now it isn't just for, you know, heightening my viewing experience of, of this match. It's really like, oh, OK, well, how can I how can I do something similar to this? Because I really enjoy how how this sound or I really enjoyed this turn of phrase or oh I love that they you know laid out for this moment and let that you know let that breathe I I want to do that next time around where I have a, a, a similar situation on a call so I definitely feel like there's been a lot more takeaways where I have more of I don't want to say like a slightly more educated ear but as far as how I listen is a little bit different now in women's wrestling army I've noticed your particularly good at calling wrestler signature move which is which is really beneficial for a company like that because it's like yeah if you're watching raw if you're watching AEW, odds are you know the names of the signature moves of the of the top talent jericho's been wrestling 30 years we know the names of his moves someone like a brooke valentine someone like a maserati the casual viewer might not know those quite so much so that's like a real benefit that you add well thank you so much so what do your notes look like for a typical show Oh, goodness. <laughs> it depends on if I'm feeling a uh, paper or digital. I've realized that so a lot of Women's Wrestling Army, I did notes on uh, like a Google Doc that Lenny and I both had access to. And as I would talk to wrestlers, you know, I would either email them ahead of time to try and get, you know, we actually had like a whole roster doc that we made, you know, with all the the crucial info, like, you know, what are the signature moves that you use? What do they look like? Or how do you set up for them? How long have you been working for? Where did you train? Where are you from? You know, what's what's important for us to know? Because and one of the things I actually really loved about how Maria and Bobby posed this to us and, and kind of prepped us for the commentary portion was you know, some of these people are getting seen for the first time by Women's Wrestling Army fans. We need to show why they're so special. You know, we need to we need to highlight the Maria was like, hey, if they have a title somewhere else, tell people like, you know, one of the first taping we did, Kayla Sparks defended the CCW Network Championship. And it's like, OK, well, this this heightens her for, you know, her WWE debut and it heightens who she is as a competitor and, and her story and her journey for people who are seeing her for the first time and you know why this why this matchup is special and, and what she went through to get that title but yes my my notes are a little wild so uh they're very thorough because i do my prep ahead of time but then also at the actual event wherever i am i maybe i will take my pad around instead of my computer um and you know talk to each match and like get even more in depth like hey like thanks for sending me all that information over but is there any updates anything new I need to know or you know anything special that maybe just came up today or something you thought of on the way over that you you know I I, I just want to make sure that I have all all my bases covered so sometimes they're a little scribbly <laughs> but uh, I I actually started doing them digital because my handwriting would get so jumbled that I would be trying to decipher it while on the call and I'm like this is not this is not the right time to, time to be doing this. So having them uh, having them on the screen in front of me is definitely a little bit more helpful. <laughs> is there a significant difference between calling like something like Women's Wrestling Army versus calling something like CFU, or is it really just a matter of who you're sitting next to? I definitely feel like there's always there's always a balance, and I think that style can flex and fluctuate depending on you know what what role I'm responsible for and and what role my broadcast partner is. I mean, stuff like CFU was actually really interesting. I was I was really honored to be able to to work with them because it was so different for me. Um, you know, CFU is a bit more of this kind of MMA influence, which was something I was completely new to. So that definitely felt a little bit more, there was kind of less opportunity to get stories across so much. It was more so about the action as it was happening. So I definitely feel like that was kind of a, of a, of a different case, but for, for most independent promotions, 
I would kind of treat them all the same way as far as how I how I get my notes and and how I prepare um, because I'd always rather have more information than I need instead of not have enough. But I think for WWA, because we treat it and because it is, you know, a, a televised episodic product, I, I think that having having those those backgrounds of, you know, what the what the competitors have done and 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 a, a little bit more of the of the story and and really kind of cataloging each individual athlete's journey, I feel like is is something we really hone in on, maybe even more than a you know a, an appearance at a one-off show, you know. So if I have someone that's part of the WWA roster that I'm I'm following their journey and following what they've done, as opposed to you know this amazing competitor, but I'm only going to see them one time at this show, you know, and and next month they might not be there. So I I think there is a little bit of a balance just because we're getting people accustomed to these these faces and these competitors and kind of where they've been and where they're going. You have two sets of tapings of WWE under the belt now. How did the Chicago show go? Like, what was the vibe compared to the first one? So honestly, it was awesome. It was it was a lot of fun because now there is more of like a familiarity and more of the camaraderie being built. Uh, I think also the fact that it was two days worth of of matches and and interviews and they would do like like sit down kind of interviews as well as you know pre-tapes that'll be part of of the episodes themselves so i think that there was just a lot going on but in a way that felt really immersive in a really cool way the the difference mainly between that and the first taping was that for the first taping we were partnered with wwr plus so we actually did a full show and then went right into the tapings. So that was, uh, it was a little bit, I think, more hectic because everything was happening in one day, as opposed to when it was spaced out in Chicago. Granted, there was a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff happening. Uh, it just felt like timing wise, we had a little bit more wiggle room and it didn't feel like everything was, you know, w- one after the other and all kind of crunched into this one day. So I just, I, I like the fact that it felt like we had more time to really build stuff. Do you have a whiteboard or a bucket list? Do you have like certain promotions you really want to work with or certain wrestlers whose matches you want to call that you haven't had a chance to? Oh, you know, it's actually funny. I've never really thought about that. Hmm. I mean, of course, I'd love the opportunity to do, you know, commentary on some of you know the the huge stages and, and stuff like that. You know, when I was when I was part of NXT, I I only did, you know, some backstage interviews and more so I was focused on, on ring announcing and uh, hosting their live events. So it would be, you know, cool to be on, you know, something of a, of a huge televised level in a broadcast booth. That would be really, really sweet. But no, I don't think I, I seriously, I think for me, it's just every opportunity I get, I feel really lucky and I feel really grateful for and maybe that's on me. Maybe I should, you know, have my my list and, and manifest my goals. But but for me, it's any opportunity I get. I'm I feel good. I just want to be able to I just want to be able to tell these awesome stories anywhere I get to. All right. Before we wrap, I am a huge serial guy, so I'd be remiss oh, yes. if we didn't <laughs> turn down that corner. Who is the best serial mascot? Oh, wow. Okay. I like that you went with this question as opposed to what is the best cereal. Oh, I love it. There's no answer to what is the best cereal, right? Like I go to the grocery store and this week I'm feeling Frosted Flakes. Next week, maybe Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So me, I do have a favorite. I have like a a, a top five with like number five, kind of a rotating favorite. But, you know, I, I digress. I think cereal mascot wise for me. It's a little bit of an underdog, pun very much intended, but it's Chip the Wolf from Cookie Crisp. I'm a fan of an anthropomorphic wolf, and I honestly, I adore him. Hmm. See, that? See, as Canadian, that's a deep cut. I don't think he crossed the border. I'm not familiar with him. Oh, really? Yeah. So, wait, so do you have Cookie Crisp up in Canada? It's just different mascot. You know what? Now that I think of it, I don't believe we do. I think I, I think I'm only familiar with it because whenever my grandparents would take a trip to Florida, they would bring me and my sisters back cereal. Okay, okay. Well then. I want to say we have a knockoff version here made by like Chips Ahoy. Same Ooh, concept, yeah. but not officially Cookie Crisp. Interesting developments. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, that, definitely. If you if you do a little googling, um, 
there's no real rhyme or reason behind why I like this mascot. It's just honestly, when I, when I look at the box, it, it, it just, it, 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 I don't know. I just enjoy, I enjoy the animation or the illustration of him. I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. Well, can you tell me why there are no female serial mascots? Oh my God, you're right. Cause now all I'm thinking is it's so funny, but in, in my head, I took the Quaker Oats, scary Quaker Oats dude. And I replaced it with Wendy from Wendy's. I was like, wait a second. No, that's, that's not right. So yeah. What the heck's up with that? We got Toucan Sam. We got Tony the Tiger. We've got Buzz from Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, you'd think by this point in time, Snap, Crackle, and Pop would have female counterparts, you know, the chipettes to their chipmunks. Yeah, what in the world? I don't think that's any. I don't even think I had realized that. Oh, okay, hold on. This is a travesty, and I think that I should be turned into an illustration and made to be a friendly mascot. For what cereal? Well, Golden Grams is my favorite. Okay. So uh, that would be a, a true honor. Actually, wait a second, because now I'm thinking of like more underground cereals. Goldie Graham, and she's like a little girl. No, but she, nah, she needs to be some sort of animal. Those are the best ones. They really are. But so I'd have to find like an animal hybrid to be. Okay, this is, but I like where we're going with Let's this. Let's go with but an wait, otter. I, I, I don't did... know why an otter. <gasps> Otters and graham otters. crackers somehow. She's okay, making a little like, dam out of graham crackers, and then there's like golden honey flowing down the stream. Could they be dam crackers instead of graham crackers? Only on Adult Swim. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but no, I think if we look a little bit deeper, I can't remember the name of it, but there's like a a zombie themed coffee cereal that I, I it's something I've only ever seen online, and I think that they use like a little zombie lady as their mascot so but okay let's say like mainstream cereal brands definitely don't have a female mascot so we need to fix that so when i was a kid my family was survey family i don't remember how we got into it but being you know white lower middle class mom dad son two daughters we were like the perfect demographic for these surveys so every so often they contact our family and say hey we have this survey we're looking for Girls between the ages of 8 and 11, would Nicole or Alyssa want to do this survey? We're looking for a young boy, would Harley want to do this? So when I was 9, they called up and asked me if I'd be part of a focus group for Honeycomb Cereal. Oh. This was 1994. I remember going to this building. I was in a room with a group of other 9, 10-year-old boys. They gave us little plastic bowls of Honeycomb Cereal to eat with some milk. And they showed us concept sketches for a new character they're introducing in forthcoming TV ads. The character was going to be called Crazy Craving. And he was a wild-haired, sort of anthropomorphic creature, kind of like a caveman-type guy. So they showed us sketches in a rough, like, template of what Crazy Craving might look like. He might look like this, he might look like this. Which one do you guys like best? And they asked us for suggestions on how they could improve honeycomb cereal what could they do to make it different we're a group of nine-year-old boys we're not marketing experts what do we know one of them said add marshmallows of course marshmallows make everything better of course (laughs) i said i don't know i mean it's all yellow maybe you could add like red honeycombs or like green and blue honeycombs they didn't take my idea it's been 20 years they're still all yellow my question for you it's true If you could be a part of a cereal focus group, which cereal would it be? And what would your suggestion be to make it better? All right, I got this. You ready? I would uh, I would work on grape nuts and I would make them not concrete. (laughs) That's my my biggest gripe about grape nuts is that they're like chewing on cinder blocks. Or I would talk to Rice Krispies and I would make them less soggy. They have the opposite problem. So, yeah, I would go uh, definitely between those two, make one less hard and make one harder. (laughs) Make the Rice Krispies a little crispier. Yes. And the grape nuts a little less gravel. A little gentler. (laughs) A little gentler. (laughs) Okay. We'll see if they they take your suggestions. I could write a dissertation on it, especially the grape nuts one. Last question on this topic. You're Italian. Why isn't there a pizza-flavored cereal? Okay. I'm going to ask a request because I really want to dive into this. Do you mind if we pause for a moment and I take a quick break and I come right back to you? I want to come at this with a clear focus. 
All right, this is M. Fear, and this past Saturday in New Kensington, Pennsylvania, in the heart of the downtown New Kensington area, M. V. Young threw a uh, a barbecue of sorts, a wrestling barbecue at the Voodoo Brewery right there in downtown Kensington um, on 10th Street, um, and. A bunch of us locals were in attendance, as a bunch of out-of-towners too, but one of my absolute favorite wrestling locals, someone who is near and dear to my heart and to this show, uh, was there in attendance alongside of us for the shenanigans, and that is the pontificator of PW Ponderings, the amazing, the astounding, the fabulous Don Hallowell. Don is here today with me. Hello, Don. Hey, thank you for the introduction. Oh my gosh, Don, you are a longtime friend of our show. I've gotten to know you through wrestling. You're just an amazing person. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot a little bit, but like, can you talk just a little bit about your, like, you know, what you're into in wrestling, especially amongst the local scene? Um, yeah, as far as like wrestling, I've always been like a, um, like a women's wrestling fan since like the early days of like Shimmer. So like any promotion that'll give me like, um, queer wrestlers, women wrestlers, non-binary wrestlers, that's what I'm into. Um, you know, big fan of Enjoy. They've been they've been killing it, you know, with all of their shows. Um and Rye's been going to a bunch of Rye shows. Um love that too. You've kind of you've toured everywhere too, and you've gone, you know, to the Jersey shows. What's the farthest you've traveled for wrestling? Um, probably either um the Jersey shows or else like Alta, Indiana. Okay. All right. So kind of doing the regional circuit. Um, is there any major promotion or like major independent promotion in this region that you haven't hit yet that you're hoping to get to? Um, I don't know about local. Um, like there's some that I definitely want to go to. I want to go up to like Maine to see Limitless <sighs> and, um, you know, um, I want to go to, um, yeah, I think that's that's like my big one is limitless on my bucket list right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got a bunch of bucket lists on the like East Coast and Northeast and like New England region. There's a bunch out of like, I mean, honestly, there's just so much that I haven't been to because I didn't drive for the longest time. And when I got into wrestling, I still wasn't driving. So it really limited me to like what I was able to like travel to either with people or like via public transportation, which, you know, was pretty limited, especially in this this area for wrestling. So I I was finally going to get out to a shimmer show. Mm -hmm. And that's like the weekend that, um, the COVID hit. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the way it's funny though. Cause like I was thinking about that yesterday as I'm driving to new Kensington for this show, I'm like, I'm driving to new Kensington for a wrestling show. This is great. I don't have to depend on a ride or hope that somebody is also from my area going that way, which actually coincidentally friends of the show, Nicole and Gwen were, and they live in my area. So that would have been easy, but I don't, I, it's really exciting to like be able to go outside the city on my own and drive to this. Even if it's only like 30 minutes outside, it's like, it's still, it's a little taste of freedom. Like if Rise was still running out of the stronghold in Connellsville, I could go so easy. I could get there simply now. Um, so it did feel kind of cool to be able to like, you know, really like spread my wings a little bit on that. Because I think other than this, I haven't really traveled much by myself to wrestling as far as driving, just like locally stuff. So this was, this was fun. This was like the first, not that it's a very long drive, but like it was my mini road trip for to new Kennedy back. So the wrestling show, um, started around 3 PM at Voodoo Brewing. Um, help me describe a bit of the feel of this. Cause it wasn't inside the brewery. It was on the brewery grounds, but it was basically in like the brewery's like courtyard yard area. It's right on the corner of an intersection. So like it's bordered on all sides by sidewalk and main, like main city district. So like people were walking by the whole time. Um, what else am I missing? Yeah. I mean, it almost just felt like a barbecue that like there was wrestling at, you know, yeah. everyone was just like, kind of like outside, like hanging out, talking, you know, drinking a little bit. Um, you know, people walking down the streets, stopping, taking pictures, stuff like that. So, um, it really felt like more like, you know, like, 
just a bunch of people getting together and, you know, and there just happened to be wrestling there too. Yeah. Um, one of the most fun aspects of this was um, y- if you wanted proper access to this event, you had to like go through and pay for it, which was, you know, good. You're supporting the talent, you're supporting the, the, you know, person running the event, you're supporting enjoy, you're supporting everybody involved in this. Um, you're supporting the brewery. But if you were just like, you know, happening down 10th Avenue and, you know, walking by the brewery, you had complete visibility to the show. So there were like onlookers throughout the whole thing, which I thought, I don't know. I thought it was kind of great. Like, of course, it's nice if you could actually give money to the event, but it was kind of fun and lended that like community spirit, which I think Envy Young was, was aspiring to with this event. Yeah. And I think it got like, um, got publicity like through like the local newspapers and stuff like that and they've been um you know promoting a school that's opening up there too so that's that's pretty cool yeah i mean new New kensington and this was covered by a news story that ran prior to the event happening but you know uh envy young is from new ken area he's i believe he said he's from lower borough which is crazy because i have a friend who like a good friend who is also exactly from that area as well. And that's one of the reasons I'm familiar with New Kensington is I spent a lot of time there with her during college, like visiting her family and hanging out and going to various places in New Kensington. Um, But so in a news story that ran prior to the event, he mentioned that, you know, New Kensington has been an area that has been blighted by a lot. And um, like a lot of towns in Pittsburgh, in, in the peripheries of Pittsburgh, it's, you know, it's suffered from economic downturn and lack of like viable businesses and hardship for the locals. And um, MV is really trying to do something special in this like current kind of like slow uptick in traffic in the new, downtown New Ken area, in the rise of certain businesses. I mean, just going to a place like Voodoo Brewing in New Ken is a novel thing in my mind because 10, 15 years ago, that wouldn't, that business probably wouldn't be, wouldn't have, you know, existed anywhere near that area. And now there's a lot of places like that that are popping up throughout that downtown, a big part of this revitalization effort. And I think it's so cool that they're basing it in New Kensington, but credit where credit's due. I think this event really did, um, did service to the community of New Kensington and of the wrestling scene, both local and regional, um, and bring into focus, like, you know, just how exciting it is to have a new business prospect and a new prospect for athletes in the area to potentially train and perform in front of wider audiences. I think it's giving access in a place that really could use it. And it's cool. Cause like you look at, so this is going to be like an offshoot of T2T out of Brooklyn. Um, so it's going to be like the T2T Pittsburgh version. Um, and MV's trained at, um, I mean, trained people whenever he lived in um, New York City with, um, you know, there are other trainers there, like um, Logan Black and um, Big Game Leroy. And then I think um, Willow just started, um, you know, as a trainer there too. And the, um, the students that they're putting out out of that school are all just incredible. Like they have incredible personalities. They um great in the ring. Um, and like I wouldn't expect anything less from you know this school in Pittsburgh, too. Yeah, it's really exciting to see what local talent will come through those doors and benefit from that expertise. It'll be exciting to see what regional talent comes through to like, you know, offer themselves as both trainers and as like, you know, to enhance themselves in whatever way they are, if they're you know working in the area. It's just, it's an exciting hub to be in. It's always cool to see a new wrestling school pop up, especially when it's got the connections that it's going to have. And just kind of basing the impressions from this event, like there's a lot of interwoven personnel that was involved in the making of this backyard barbecue. I mean, they were using Enjoy's wrestling license. So Enjoy had a huge presence there. You had people um, who have worked in wrestling all throughout the region, like Marcus Mann on commentary, who was a booker for Rise. You've had people who have done work for other local and regional uh, wrestling promotions. So there's just a lot of like shared DNA there, which again was comes back to community, both like the community of like enterprise and wrestling in this region, but also just community in general, like people sharing talent and resources to bring about something that is going to be really special for a crowd that is like excited to see it. And I go back indie wrestling like 20 years-ish, something like that. I don't want to show my age too bad, but <laughs> <laughs> um, like back, you know, 
10, 15 years ago, there wasn't that community in wrestling. If you worked for one promotion, then you aren't going to the other promotion and things like that. So, like, I think it's a lot better now. Yeah, there's this whole mentality. I mean, it, you, even, you know, obviously so mainstream and like the the big professional wrestling, but like the mainstream professional wrestling of this like idea of the forbidden doors being like blown open. But in independent wrestling, it's so crucial for resources to be shared so that more people have access to it. Because, you know, if you're not sharing things like a ring, less people are having the ability to put on shows. And that means less wrestlers who are featured. And that means less work and less less wrestling to go around for all audiences. So everyone suffers when there isn't a sharing economy in, in independent wrestling. Especially event if you like, look at women's wrestling. You oh, know, God. if you have a student that's a, that's a female wrestler and say... You know, your promotion doesn't do intergender wrestling for some reason. Um, she's probably going to be wrestling the same person every time, which I've seen happen before. You know, every month you get the same match. <laughs> so, I mean, if you don't, like, let your wrestlers go out to, like, other promotions and stuff like that, then that woman is never really going to advance. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes the same for women's wrestler, like women wrestlers. This goes the same for wrestlers, um, both queer and uh, marginalized identities. This goes to wrestlers who just don't fit into like the mainstream mold. Right. And I think we got to see a lot of wrestlers on this card that um, offered up a big diversity of, of different, of, you know, different identities and different perspectives and just different backgrounds and of different wrestling styles. Obviously we got a lot of diversity on a card that was fairly tightly paced, which I thought was good. Yeah, I mean, so well, yeah, like once the once the rain delay ended, we had um, we just kind of went through the matches, and like they were all great. Yeah, know? yeah, kind of uniformly all real quality, and that's saying something. Especially in as you mentioned, there was a massive rain delay right after the first match, which we kicked things off with a four way match: uh, Sazzy Boatwright versus. Uh, no, no. Okay, versus Ziggy Heim mm-hmm. versus Aspen versus Shay. Shay, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, you have to understand because that that four way match happened for the internet championship, mm-hmm. and then immediately after Ziggy wins it, the like skies open up and it starts to rain, <laughs> like and big deal rain, like big deal storm. Storms that in other areas of town took out electricity in entire neighborhoods. Somehow New Kensington was spared from the worst of it. <laughs> so that's so, what everything. So Ziggy down. became the champion of the internet along with being the queen of Pittsburgh. Yes. And uh yeah, so and this is the second time I've seen Ziggy win something and then immediately a brainstorm happened. So I feel like uh, <laughs> that's a warning if you have an outdoor show. Uh, maybe don't book Ziggy to win a title. Oh no, book her to win, but like in the main event. <laughs> yeah. So it like pours like after the show ends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, the rain kind of shut things down for about, I would say about an hour. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like an hour, but it must have been about an hour. And that goes back to, like, the community thing where, like, everyone just went inside the bar, you know, grabbed a drink or some food and just, like, kind of hung out and, you know, wandered around, talked to everyone, had a good time. Yeah, it was kind of amazing because wrestlers were just, like, chilling and hanging out and chatting with folks. And, like, there was food that you could order food at Voodoo Brewing. They even had a special, like, you know, MV's barbecue, like. Uh, menu list that you could pick from um there were and there were people at the brewery who were not there for the show so suddenly they were just like inundated with a bunch of us like wrestling crowd people and wrestlers and they got uh they got a free match out of it which i thought was great um they got to watch uh david lawless uh get his uh ass handed to him by a a pizza pan wielding mikey (laughs) (laughs) certainly mikey was just going up to get a pizza and david lawless decided to you know, talk as he is to talk, and a fight broke out, and um, Nick Shin decided it was a match now, in the bar, yeah. and, and oh. I think some some young lady was having a birthday party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone prior to, uh, did you watch this happen prior to me getting there? Oh no, I think you got there after me. Um, prior to getting there, somebody got engaged in the Enjoy Wrestling ring. Oh no, I did. I heard something about that. 
Yes. Friend of the show, Hannah Harkness uh, mentioned it to me when I got in because she had been there for about two hours because she came in with the talent. So like um, she told me when I got there that like just before I had arrived, someone had like made a proposal in that ring. That's pretty amazing. Again, it's just wild. I mean, you start off with a proposal. There was a birthday party happening, like birthday crown and sash and all, um, <laughs> balloons and all that. And in the midst of it, you've got a bunch of people who are like, you know, uh, who are fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> so the rain delay didn't end up feeling like that much of a delay. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Nick Shin because I feel like Nick Shin was the secret MVP of this event. Not only did he have to ref every match, he also... Uh, carried a lot of the weight in the uh, Twitch stream, as I was told, um, you know, interviewing wrestlers during the rain delay, uh, going on mic in for like 15 minutes with little interruption aside from whoever was doing rig announcing. Um, so kudos to hot ref Nick Shin uh, and apologies if I was uh, yelling at you a little too much. I just, I, I love you so much. I think you're just the best. And uh, I was feeling very enthusiastic about it. His um, improv skills were very much being put to the test. Oh, yeah. I think everybody's were to some degree. I think it felt like everybody was coming in with like a very loose spirit, which, you know, you see in wrestling sometimes because the character, like your wrestling characters have to kind of live and breathe and like be able to be flexible and improv. It reminds me so much. Every time I see a show like this, I'm like, wrestlers are in, are like improvisation artists. They have to do it with their bodies. They have to do it with their moves. They have to do with all kinds of things, but they have to perform on the spot. And a lot of that requires like an improv mindset of reacting in the moment. Yeah. Especially if, you know, like something like slightly goes wrong and you have to improv, you know? Oh yeah, for real. And a show like this, things are gonna kind of, I don't, I don't want to say go wrong, but they're going to go wabi-sabi. They're going to like they're, they're going to go, they're going to zig when you think they're going to zag and you have to kind of roll with it no matter what, because an outdoor show comes with all kinds of, all, all kinds of obstacles, especially when there's rain involved, even after the rain stopped, like there was still the occasional drizzle, nothing could be 100% dry. So you have to think on your feet and be prepared for some like, you know, unplanned for falls. So what else stood out to you in this card? Once the rain delay ended and once our, uh, our friend Nick Shin was off the mic and things were back in action, what were some of the moments that kind of stuck out to you, Don? Um, I mean, my match of the show was um, definitely um, Joseph Alexander against Anthem. They came out right after the rain delay and they absolutely killed it. And they had the crowd who probably had no idea who they were Danny and this is awesome. Yeah, they were, they were pretty spectacular. I felt like that was a show stealing match. Mm -hmm. There were bigger names on the card as far as, um, as far as just indie talent goes, there were ones that have gotten a bit more high profile, but I felt like this was the one that took most of the people by surprise, myself included, because I haven't seen, I I've seen Atherin a, a bit, a little bit, especially, um, prior to um when prior to like kind of the gimmick name change but i haven't seen joseph alexander in action in person i've seen him in one or two wrestlers lab shows we actually grit and glitter um just by by pure luck was able to sponsor him because a, a wrestler that we had initially sponsored had to bow out of the show and we were like hey he sounds great and promising put our money on on that guy and i'm really glad we did because he's pretty phenomenal and he, i think you told me he's in his first year Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's another um, student from the T2T Academy who's just been absolutely destroying it in um, Paradigm. Um, he's had amazing matches there. And yeah, he's his future looks bright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Adam was pulling off some moves like I've never seen before. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I've seen him wrestle that much recently so i'm not sure what's a new what's new in his move set but mm -hmm. i feel like he was really delivering and were they the first ones after the rain delay yeah that's a huge thing that's that's a huge responsibility <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a lot because you have to bring everyone back into it especially the people who got there after the rain started and are like brand new into the show that's like, a, what's going on here you know yeah, exactly you got this weight to carry and these guys just delivered. 
And then we had um, Jordan Blade Challenge for the Chocolate City Championship, mm-hmm. which was a really good match. Of course, um, he's always incredible. I um I I'm not I, it's no secret I'm a fan of Jordan Blade. <laughs> Jordan Blade is one of my favorite wrestlers working right now, and it was a pleasure to see both Jordan and Eel on this card. Um, I love Kings of the District; they're probably my favorite tag team on the Indies right now. Um, I just feel like there's there's sky's the limit when it comes to them as tag as a tag team as singles wrestlers. They're just both phenomenal, and I love to get to see them like shine in singles competition. Um, and this was, this was a good match. It was a really competent match. Um, could I shenanigans to, to end it, but like, it's okay. feel like that that was inevitable when it comes to the title. Cause I, you don't necessarily expect a lot of title changes on this type of card. Even though we did have one. Although we did have one. Although <laughs> gonna, if, not to, not to, to discredit the internet championship at all, but like if you were going to change hands for a title, that's I feel like a Twitch the one that Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this was a good moment for that particular title to like to have a switch up. Plus, you know, the storm was coming, so Ziggy had to get a title. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think uh, um, it's cool because a lot of this stuff is leading up to the the Wrestlers Lab PQT show next month. Oh, also, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, a lot of this was like kind of a preview for that, which is also really promising because it means that, you know, not only are they developing things in lead up to the show in August, but it feels like there's going to be, you know, more ongoing um, shared DNA in the coming months, which, you know, is a great foot for this school and for these shows like Get Off On because there's already a built-in audience for people who are familiar with Wrestlers Lab and TTT. Yeah, because, um, yeah, you're going to have that EOMV that match at um, Wrestlers Lab, which should be absolutely amazing. I Feels so good in the ring, and he is so underrated on the mic, too. Yes, underrated on the mic should absolutely be given props for his mic skills. Also, I'm going to give him um, a kudos for being the very first person to visit the the uh, cookie table at MV's Barbecue, which <laughs> myself and Nicole were overseeing. We did have a cookie table of sorts, um, and Eel was the very first person who came up and asked for a cookie, which I thought was really really endearing so thank you Elo neil for for participating <laughs> in the cookie table. cookie table yes i mean it's a western pennsylvania we gotta have a cookie table it's a barbecue you gotta have cookies <laughs> everybody likes a cookie I'm, at certain points i was worried that we were didn't we weren't getting rid of enough so i was like circulating like a tray around trying to give people free cookies and i was pleased by the number of people who took me up on it but there were a lot of like looks of like why is this person giving me a well well okay so no they were, they were drug free i was giving them to babies so they were drug free i promise they were I, I didn't even cook them they or bake them they were they came from giant like they were not baked by my hands but it, i think part of the motivating factor what for me and nicole was um the polyam called party three when we were standing in line, when I met up with um, my friend and friend of the show, Bridget, um, there were people who were giving away treats from a bag and they were homemade brownies that they had made themselves um, featuring special ingredients. And they were just giving them to everybody. Like they had like dozens wrapped and ready to like hand out to people. And I was kind of weirdly charmed by that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's cute, but at the same time, eh. <laughs> I can't be trusted around a brownie like that because I just like brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't put drugs in my brownies because I can't stop myself. <laughs> and then I'll just have too many drugs. <laughs> All right. Re- um, refresh my memory. What else are we missing on this card before we have to wrap up? Um, um, there was a lot of chaos at one point. <laughs> yeah, so that was, um, so we had the runway and David Lawless against the delinquents and Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, so runway and Lawless won that match after, um, Aspen distracted Mikey and I believe Mikey broke up with her in the ring. Yes. Yeah. They're, um, I believe they're... Aspen was asking for money. Yes, I believe that she was asking for some some form of some form of uh, I believe yes. is what they call it. Just 
Do the kids <laughs> still use that word? <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a great position to put someone in in the middle of the match, Aspen. Uh, I feel like maybe timing is everything. <laughs> <laughs> you probably could have waited like five, ten more minutes. But, I mean, maybe she was really thirsty. I mean, I get it. I mean, it was a hot day. Uh, I drank a number of those uh, those frosty mixed drinks that, that Voodoo was serving up. The slushy drinks were good. The slushy drinks are dangerous. <laughs> well, I mean, I had so much sugar in my system. Like, forget even the alcohol. I was, like, buzzed off of sugar. I was coming home and just being, like, rumming from all the, like, syrup that I had had <laughs> in my body. Um... After that match, we got MV versus Joe Cruel. Mm-hmm. And that's, and after that match, that's all when, chaos broke loose. That's when all chaos broke loose. Yes. We had, uh, we, uh, I don't remember what the entireties of the teams. Um, I think it was, I have MV, Joe Cruel, Joseph Alexander, and the delinquents and Jet. And they were fighting Lawless, Runway, in, Angelico Carter, Athram, and Perkins. Yes. I believe. I got everything. Yes. Pretty sure. And there were doors, of course. Can't have a, sorry, you can't have an MV Young show without some doors. No. And I believe, you know, some people took some cookies while they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. I thank <laughs> you again to the wrestlers for patroni- patronizing the the free cookies. Okay. <laughs> People survived the fight on the outside, though, which was also good. I'm trying yeah, to we even. Had, we had, but we had definitely had both of the runway members go through tables, which it seems to be par for the course. Whenever you have MB and the runway on the same show. Yes. Yeah. Um, there were two doors, and there are two members of the runway. So sorry, Calvin. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, but good on you guys for taking those doors like champs. And by then, I mean, I feel like there was like at least 50% of the of the crowd was equaled by the amount of people like standing on the peripheries, like out just technically beyond the boundaries of the brewery, like watching from the sidewalks. It was really fantastic to look over your shoulder and see how many people were kind of just like stopping to gawk, especially with like a melee match like that. Cause like, that's going to catch your attention. And it's always awesome to see like, people who like aren't wrestling fans just randomly see independent wrestling just like maybe like working at the venue or you know something like that and just to like see their reactions yes oh my gosh i mean there were people stopping their cars to look like, there were literally <laughs> people like stopping their cars in the intersection to like gawk and like see what what was going on People were getting out of their cars and parking to like pop over. It was it was just really cool. Like it's always really exciting to see people's reactions to something like this. And a show like this is going to invite more inspection, right? Like it's going to invite someone to like look closer and see what it's all about. And I think a lot of a lot of like the good things about like a show like that too is the diversity in the roster. Mm-hmm. So if you randomly see that show, there's someone that, that on that roster that you know might resemble you you know what i mean so yeah yeah Yeah, i mean i think it's kind of i think it is important to shout out that like new kensington is is a um racially diverse area and there's a significant population of african-american and other people of color who live in that community in and around that community and i think a show like this show book the way it was there were a number of wrestlers who represent various identities and marginalized communities so that's really important and that's representation for people to see. So if you're someone who has very little knowledge of pro wrestling, but you do see these people who look of, of your community, it is going to invite you in further. It's going to feel like there's a space for you there, a space for you as a fan, a space for you, maybe for a potential future in wrestling. You never know what's going to inspire somebody to, to take their interest further. So, I mean, if, yeah, you, I, if you're like a young girl and you walk down the road and you see like Jordan Blade in the ring, you know, you might stop for a second and be like, holy shit, that's cool. Heck heck yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I mean, I I think about that all the time. Like if I had been exposed to something like this as a little kid, like what would my reaction been? Like 
like who would I be or what would have changed inside of me if I could have seen that type of representation of that person like sitting there being so strong and being able to be strong in themselves in this performance. And I don't know. It's just it's 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 cool to get to know that people, young people, children, teenagers, whatever, whomever who needs it, it's good, it's there for them. And putting it smack dab in the middle of town like this, visible for everyone to see, is such a great way to reach out. So yeah, um, overall, I give it an A plus for A4 awesome. Um, I thought it was a really fun time. I had a blast, drank a little too much, ate lots of cookies, um, it said hi to lots of people, told at least two people that I was David Bixon's fan. I'm not David Bixon's fan. Um, apologies for that. Um, but also I found out that I can't say his name when I'm mildly intoxicated. So probably should pick another wrestling journalist who has an easier name to say while, uh, slightly buzzed. I feel like I have picked alcoholic drinks that are really hard to say. And <laughs> that, that I would like order. I'm like, that's not smart. Don. You need to like drink like something that's easy to pronounce. <laughs> Right? I mean, I could have just been like, I'm Dave Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brian Alvarez. But uh, I'll give a shout out to Ziggy, too, who not only won the international internet championship, but then mm-hmm. went over to AIW and was part of the barbed wire main event at Darshow. Yes. Uh, kudos to Ziggy for doing double duty because um, not only did she have to travel between uh, New Kensington to uh, to Ohio for the show, but she also had probably do part of that in a pretty heavy duty rainstorm and then go into a pretty hardcore like bloody damn match. So uh, it's an amazing outfit. I really hope. Oh, my God. They have. Oh, my God. Genius. <laughs> And like, no one has thought to do a midsummer, and it's been out for years, and no one has thought to do anything like that. Ah, uh, of course, of course. Amazing. Yes. So kudos to to Ziggy for all the hard work. I hope you got to sleep in today. <laughs> Final thoughts. Um, just super fun show. Um, can't wait for the um. T2T Wrestler Lab show, also in New Kensington. It's going to be awesome. That's right. And I believe that's actually going to be happening at the at the training facility. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Always wonderful to see more wrestling in and around this area. Um, make sure to check out that. And if you haven't watched the show and you want to, you can catch it on Twitch, I believe, still. So if you just find MV Young and Brooke Kelty's uh, Twitch stream, you can their channel, you can find the stream on there. Don, if people rightfully want to find you online how could they find you um i'm on twitter it's the hollowell one hollowell is spelled like the spice girl jerry hollowell or the (laughs) armed characters (laughs) (laughs) oh and and uh if they want to read your incredible writings about wrestling i mean don covers wrestling in around the area does interviews does coverage of various wrestling promotions where can they find your work um, so most of my stuff you can um, find on pwponderings.com and um, there's a link to it from my um, from my Twitter on Hollow One and um, you can get all my articles, interviews, stuff like that. Um, last interview I did was with Joseph Alexander, who, as we were talking about, is amazing. So check that out. Please make a point to find Don on Twitter. Don is a treasure. Don, I'm so glad that we got to enjoy this show together. And I look forward to to more wrestling uh, with you and with the rest of the community in town. Okay, so pizza-flavored cereal. I'm like, how has this not happened yet? There's pizza-flavored everything. And I think it could be good. Okay, because I feel like pizza-flavored things are like a great marketing idea, right? You know, it's very it's very popular. Everyone likes pizza. But something about like the acidity pizza of, like, milk. A, a, it's okay, didn't they do that on like Laverne and Shirley or something where they dip their pizza in milk? I can't remember. But I feel like it's more so for me the acidity of like a gravy or a tomato pizza sauce with the crispiness of a crunchy cereal. Something about that it just doesn't compute with me. See, I'm picturing, have you had the pizza-flavored Pringles? Yes. Something like that, 
in like a spherical, almost corn pop type shape. So for me, I'm I'm on board with that, but then I can't add milk to it. Like I, I would snap on like little pizza puffs. Actually, a little pizza puff sounds downright delicious. But to me, then we start getting into like the milky area, and that's where I'm like, oh, I don't, uh, I don't know how I, uh, how I like those two. What about a pizza flavored pop tart? Is that more palatable? That okay, so that I might be down, but to me, that almost feels like, like a stromboli, <laughs> <laughs> or like a fri- like a fried ravioli almost at that point. I'm not mad at it. Hmm. But so so instead of like the sorry, I'm like diving into this a little bit. But so instead of like the like hard icing top, would it be like a hard pizza sauce top? Like, would it be like a pizza shell or would that be like cheese? No, it still needs to be icing. Otherwise, it's not Pop-Tart. Can you make the icing out of like a like a pizza sauce? I guess. But then then it's just a lunch. It's not really a breakfast if there's no icing involved. I think if if the idea is we want pizza for breakfast, just eat cold pizza for breakfast. But make sure it's cold because that's the only way to do it. Like, just go for the real thing. If that's what you want, go for the real thing. <laughs> okay, tell you what. I'm going to – next time I buy some pizza-flavored Pringles, I'm going to dip them in some milk, and I'll get back to you and let you know how it tastes. I mean, hey, it sounds like it would be like an easy heartburn fix just like in the moment, like – Let's neutralize the acid as we're eating. Like maybe, hey, maybe it'll be a breakthrough. All right. In the meantime, (laughs) this Saturday, live on Fight TV, you'll be calling the action for Garden State. Welcome to Eden. We've got Ty Vakri versus Trisha Dore. We've got Billy Starks versus Janaikai versus Miu Yamashita, among many other matches. Very good card. Yes. I am so excited for this. This, honestly... Every single match that I've seen presented, because I already, you know, started on my my research and, and and checking everything out, and I keep getting more and more excited. Like I think today they just released the like little promo video for Starks and Kai and Yamashita, and I'm I, I think I said online I'm like oh I'm giddy like I'm giddy for this. So yeah, it, it just keeps getting more and more exciting. Be sure to tune into Fight TV for that one. And where can people find you online? So you can find me at A-Y-Y underscore Marino on all the socials. You can see me on episodes of Beyond the Bells and on CCW's In and Out the Locker Room. I'm I'm just, I'm floating around. I'm floating around everywhere, so. As always, you can follow us and support us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. Please do so. It means a lot to us that you listen at all. But anyway that you can support us or follow us it really means the world to us we have sponsored the next season of enjoy wrestling the enjoy cup courtesy of you you give us money we give it to enjoy wrestling it's gonna be a good season i think for them as well just like it will be a good season for us here at grit and glitter july is almost over but summer is still doing its thing get out there Get some sun, get some sand, get some water. Enjoy yourselves. We'll be back next week.